Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. And we're on a journey to improve our marriage, our family, our faith, our fitness, well, just about everything. Along the way, we might accidentally give a tiny bit of solid advice, so join us as we chat each week. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fools in Love Podcast. Today, we are coming at you with work-life balance and how to make the most of your workday or your time at home. So I was thinking about this probably last week, I'd say, and I was thinking just that no matter where we've been as far as the stage of life, that we've always had to actively work on this, whether we had kids or not, no matter what, it's always been sort of a thing that we wanted to achieve And I think finally we're getting a little bit closer to achieving it. So today, that's what we're going with. Absolutely. So when it comes to work, I think it's very, very easy to get pulled 100% into it. And you hear so much nowadays of people really grinding out there and really putting in all of their effort. And I think work, it's although it's very important, and I think it's where we spend most of our time, at least most of us, me and Megan included, you got to focus on having that balance in life because there's also a life in there that you have to live that goes beyond work. Yeah, I am definitely a workaholic. I mean, I really flourish at work. I think Brandon would agree that I just, I need to work. I love to work. I know that sounds crazy because most people are like, why would you want to work? But I really do. I like it. I I love the atmosphere and it can be really easy for me to get sucked in so much so that sometimes I have that look about me like, please don't come in here. I'm working too hard right now. Yeah. And like Megan said, I mean, it it is challenging and it hasn't always been so easy for us to have this balance in life. If if you guys don't know, me and Megan actually work together a few offices away. So it becomes very easy for us to bring work home, bring work into the car, be talking about it at night, be talking about it on the weekend. The challenge is out there for everyone, even those who don't work together, because it's such a big part of your life. And if you think about it, like I said, you're spending more time working than really doing anything else. And you're spending more time with the people at work than you do with anyone else. So it becomes a challenge when you want to bring that home, especially those of you out there that have a really stressful job. But for me and Megan, it becomes very difficult not to bring it home. And that's something that we really had to think about and really had to strategize with. Actually, we ended up both changing jobs completely several, several years ago at this point because we both had that experience where we couldn't, we were unable to turn work off. I had a job that was just making me physically sick. I could not, no matter what I would have done, just achieve any sort of work-life balance. It was just all-consuming all the time, and I had to leave, and it was the best thing that I ever did. That job was never going to be long-term, although maybe the line of work would have been kind of along those lines. But thankfully, I did not have to continue in that, which was a really, really amazing blessing because I would have never been able to just enjoy my life the way I do now. So thankfully, I've been able to turn off the work when I'm not at work, for the most part, and really work hard when I'm here. Yeah, and as Megan was saying, I had a similar experience where I have my teaching degree, so I was a teacher, and you have to spend so much time outside of work. I mean, I know most people think that teachers are working like a nine to five, and they get their summers off, and it's like such a such an easy street. But really, I mean, even if school gets out early, like I think here, school gets out at two thirty. High school, 
you're still, those teachers are spending countless hours. I was working probably 80 hours a week at home grading papers, lesson planning, planning out what I need to do, doing report cards. I mean, that stuff takes insane amounts of time and that's time that you're spending outside of work. So it becomes really difficult not to bring work home when you have to bring work home. And that's something that we had to work through as well. But that was one of the main reasons why I left the teaching field because the amount of work that I was putting in, 80 hours a week putting in for $30,000 a year is just not worth it when you calculate out how much you are making per hour. So to you teachers out there, I have full respect for you and what you're doing. And I know how much hard work it takes. Yeah, we we lived that firsthand and it, it really did. It was like he would work till midnight. I'd go to bed without him. He'd wake up early, so I'd wake up without him. It was just... It was a lot of work. So he's right. Teachers, you have our respect. Yeah. And really with that, for us in both of those experiences, it became so extreme for us and the work became so extreme and just overhauling where it was taking physical tolls. And I know both of us were in a place where the jobs were actually taking physical tolls and actually hurting our health. And so we had to make the decision and it, it wasn't even an easy one in the time because I mean, it was our lifeline and it was our careers to actually step away and move on to a different job and a different career path. But unfortunately, even by changing jobs, it doesn't quite solve the problem. Nope. As I'm sure you know, the grass is always greener. Really changing jobs. Sure. It did. It did make a huge difference for us, but we know that obviously not everyone can just go change jobs or maybe we're just too far past that point. I mean, we were you know, in our young twenties without kids at that time. So that was a little bit different than today when we're mid thirties with two kids. But yeah, when you change jobs, you're obviously just trading in issues and the old issues are no longer there, but you have a different set of issues and problems and things to think through. So just wanted to throw that out there too. Yeah. And I think it's important to say just as a side that if people do have, if like your spouse or your partner has extra difficult job, a stressful job, it's going to be something where it is going to come home. And I get a lot of you would be saying it is difficult because you need someone to talk to as well. Like you need to be able to talk to your partner and you need to be able to talk to someone about the issues and the struggles. And certainly me and Megan have been there. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying certainly come home, have those conversations. The one thing I would caution you with is just make sure you're limiting the time. Like if you want to have those conversations, say, well, by this certain time at night, we're just going to relax or we're going to move on to this or that and really set a limit because you can end up going on a downward spiral when you're talking about that and just going further down the rabbit hole where you don't need to, but it is important to have those conversations. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because my next little blurb was going to be about the fact that once we started working together and I know that you don't have to even work together for this to be a problem, but we didn't have any boundary. We just, it could, we could talk about work forever. We could just use up our whole night just talking through different things going on at work or different annoyances or different great things even. It didn't have to be bad, but just that work would consume everything. So we really did have to actively set that boundary and that limit about when and where and how it was going to play out in our home life too. Yeah. And to Megan's point with that, we definitely still have that struggle where it comes home with us and we literally have to do what I was just talking about. Where we're like, okay, time out. We're not going to talk about work anymore after this. And we move on with our night because it becomes 
more and more difficult if you start down that path to then stop the conversation. The other thing too I'll say is when you cut it out and you set a time limit, the stress kind of just washes off because you've had the chance to talk about what you need to talk about and then you can move on. We actually decided to start to correct it anyway before we had kids because our concern was what kind of family life were we going to have if all we did was talk about the business and try to make every single second of our day into a strategy meeting. So we did work at least towards that before we even thought about having kids. But since we work together, we also drive home together, which I know Brandon touched on. So we do use that time in the car to kind of wind down any last thoughts on our work day. But it's also bad that we drive home together because we don't have any solo time to decompress and, and break apart that work day. But it does give us that final, final chance to talk any last things through. And then all of a sudden we're in our driveway. Yeah. And as Megan was saying, we, we spend that time kind of talking through what we need to talk through, recapping the day. Because even though we work together, we still don't necessarily see each other or talk all day because we're busy doing you know, our each individual tasks. And I know for a lot of you out there, you're not seeing your spouse all day. And really, you might not have any idea what they're doing, what their day, how they encountered it. So this isn't going to be as easy as, you know, pulling into the driveway and ending the conversation. Because even if you had a conversation right when you get home, things will naturally come up. You know, you'll get a, you'll check your email, even though I know you shouldn't, you'll check your email late at night you'll get a phone call. There'll be something that draws the attention that brings the stress on. And those conversations will need to happen. But as I said, it's important to have those discussions because you definitely want to have an interest in what your spouse is doing. But I'm just trying to talk to the fact that I I get a lot of you aren't going to work together, but it's still these issues definitely come up. And I think it's so easy to get drawn away with work. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, I would think that it'd be at least as likely of a temptation to go delve into your work day when you haven't experienced the same thing all day. I mean, I would imagine if we didn't work together, we could burn an hour at night uh, talking about what happened at each respective work in the day. So the other thing I wanted to mention is that Brandon knows that I need a few more minutes after work by myself. So that's just kind of like, a, I don't know if that's an introverted thing or if that's just me, but I do really like to just have a few extra seconds. So he'll usually come in and, you know, go put his comfier clothes on and then just let me have about five minutes in the bedroom to myself where I can complete my <laughs> switch over from home from work mode to home mode. Yeah, and it's super important for us, too, when we get home to make sure we clear all that off. And that's not weighing us down because kids totally know what's going on. And even if they don't know exactly what's going on, they sense the mood and when you can cut the tension with a knife, they feel the, the stress that you have, they're going to feed off of that. And so many times when we do get caught up in it and we are bringing work home and we are bringing that stress home and we're clearly having stressful moments, it becomes even more stressful with the kids because they just feed off of that and they just know intuitively that they just mirror exactly what you're doing. And that happens a lot even... I know at the office with working with other people, if we sit there and we're having like a really rough day, it seems like everyone else has a really rough day because you set the tone for the other people that you encounter throughout the day and just be understanding that not only with your kids, but with your peers, with the other people you work with, you are putting forth 
an attitude into the air <laughs> and it's going to affect everyone else. So just be conscious of the people that you encounter and know that your actions and your behavior are going to affect them as well. And even though this is a little bit off topic, I'm going to add to that anyway, because I do think that's a great point. And also understand that other people came in to the workday with their own stuff. So, you know, you might have to be a little bit understanding of what they brought from home too. Anyway, end rant. Yeah, and we find it really important that once we end that conversation, we talked about setting a limit and ending that conversation, is to have time at night where we actually enjoy time together. And I think that's so important because you've carried on so much stress for eight hours or more throughout the day, and you really want to spend time to enjoy the night together. I know me and Megan, especially the more stressful days or we're in a more stressful season of our life or we're in a stressful time at work or the times where we mentioned where Meg was working that job she was working or I was teaching, we plan no time to actually have enjoyment, to actually enjoy our night. And then before kids, it was so bad, especially when we're in these jobs because we would get home and it'd be eight o'clock and we'd be laying in bed, feeling sorry for ourselves, falling asleep, and then not really getting any kind of night. And that just isn't ever going to work. And so it's important to schedule that time where you can actually have some enjoyment, whether you're reading, whether you're doing anything that's going to actually bring some satisfaction because otherwise, even if it's a good day at work, it can be draining. And if you're not doing anything to like boost your mood, then it could be very difficult to ever get any time to relax. But with that, I know we mentioned that we do try to stop work, but things do pop up. Like we get calls a lot of the times later at night and you do have to kind of stop and assess this situation and do everything you can to resolve it and then you can move on. That's something that you have to deal with as it comes, but just make sure that it's not pulling you down and pulling down your conversation. Yeah, definitely be able to forgive yourself if there are nights that you have to do work. I mean, we're not saying that, you know, you never can work at home or anything. That's obviously going to happen in a lot of different careers that you're going to need to be pulled away and have a few nights here and there. But you do want to make sure that you also have time to enjoy your life outside of work. Since we don't want work to be the most important thing, we really, really, really try hard not to let it sink, especially into our time with our kids. Harlan and Maverick deserve our attention. They deserve our love. And we just want to make sure we're there for them. So even when we have to work at home, we'll try to do it later when they're in bed. If something pops up, we'll try to rearrange around their schedule to make sure that we really do maximize our time with them too. I think one of the things we realized fairly early on after trials and and we failed a little bit on doing this and the times where we had struggles is really it's important to do your work. Clearly it's something that puts food on the table, puts money in your bank account. It's definitely important. But the biggest thing I can say and the biggest thing we've realized is being productive at work is so important then because the time, if you don't want to spend any of the time outside of work, worrying about work or having to do things, and I get sometimes you have to bring it home, you have to be as productive as you can at work because you can't be messing around and then getting pulled away on other things when you have struggles, but you can't not be productive at work. 
once you're there, you need to make sure you're putting forth all the effort. And I know all of us are busy. Trust me. I understand all of us are busy. There's always things that come up, but it's important when we're talking about productivity to have a plan and you definitely need to have a plan at work every day to make sure that you're accomplishing the things you need to accomplish so that it's not dragging over into your home life. And I always try to remind myself too, that if I've put in an honest day's work and if I've really done everything I can, then sure, there's probably going to be a million more things on my to-do list as I leave work that day. But when I know that I've done as best I can, then I'm a lot more likely to be able to relax and enjoy my night at home. If I have 5,000 things to do and I didn't have the best day at work, then I'm going to feel a lot more inclined to have to make up for that when I'm home. Yeah, I was actually just reading a book recently on this topic. It was The Productivity Project, and it's by Chris Bailey. If you haven't read it, I recommend it for sure. But really, one of the biggest things I took away from it is it really talked about figuring out what the most valuable thing you do at work for your company is. And that's such an important thing. You certainly want to know your value for your company because that's something that's setting your tasks and everything as far as your identity for a lot of us comes from your work. But you want to know what the most valuable thing is. Because it's not always necessarily what you think the most important thing is, but it's actually what you're looking at, what makes your company the most money, and what's actually moving your company forward. And you might sit there and think, well, this is the most important thing I'm doing, and the most important thing I need to do all day. But if you think about it logically from the company's perspective, that might not be the most important thing for you. And really what we did as part of this book I I took away is we set forth the number one thing. So when you start every day or even weekly, if you are a weekly planner, you set forth, this is the number one thing that I have to accomplish. That's going to be the most productive for me and do the best in helping my company move forward. If you work for yourself, even better. And it's even more important that you set these goals. But it's like, this is the most important thing that I have to complete. So when you start the day, you say, I have to complete this. Okay. So one of the things with that is you have to focus on that. And at the end of the day, you can see where you ended up. But it's also important, and it mentioned this in the book, that you need to take your pulse throughout the day. Like every couple hours, you need to actually see, like maybe not every couple hours, but maybe in the morning, you see where you're at and you set some goals for the day and you have your single most important thing. And then you have one to two other things that might be the next most valuable thing that you need to do. But they say to make sure your list isn't huge. It's not like you're, it's unattainable because you're going to get discouraged by that. But you want really like the top three things that you need to accomplish. So then at lunch, you've had hours to work and you see where am I at on each of these things? If you haven't touched some of those things, okay, well, you might need to reassess and make a new strategy for the afternoon. And certainly by the end of the day, if you haven't touched them, then by the end of the week, you need to do it. Yeah. Brandon actually printed out some of the, like a couple pages of just notes from the book for us as a company. And I went and I took that to heart and I redid my to-do list and took just, you know, a few things off of it and realized that the thing that I thought I was doing that was most important really wasn't the most important. The thing that I was putting till the end of the day, if I had time, was the thing that I should be starting my day with. So from there, I really restructured my whole day and learned to start there 
And then if I get time, I work on number two and number three. And if I'm really, really having a good day, maybe even number four. But I really don't go much beyond that now because I realize that by writing 17 things on a list when I'm only going to do two of them is never going to help me. It's just going to freak me out. Yeah, this is all based on what's called the 80-20 principle. And it's the 80-20 principle. And what it says is by leveraging this 80-20 principle, it really is saying that 80% of all the results in your business and in your life stem from just 20% of your efforts. That's 80% of all the results are just coming from 20% of the work. So I think so many times we get caught up wasting time on email and other unimportant menial tasks that seem important in the moment, but in the grand scheme of things, they're so unimportant and really in 20% of that time, you're actually making the most effort and making the most, uh, the best foot forward in those moments. We're going to shift gears because I want to talk about taking breaks at work, which I am so guilty of not doing. I'm the worst person to preach on this, so I'm just preaching to myself here, and you guys can come along. So the thing that I don't do that I know I should to help my productivity is to take mini breaks. And I know that because I'm going to be more effective if I'm not burned out or sick or unhappy or sitting at my desk pouting or whatever the case may be. I don't tend to do this because I'm like, oh gosh, I have 5,000 things to do. If I just keep going, I'll be fine. But guess what happens? Inevitably, I get a headache or whatever, and I have to go rest anyway. And I probably could have been better off had I just taken, you know, the five minutes here and there throughout the day than having to rest for 20 minutes because my head's going to explode and I can't look at the computer anymore. (laughs) Yes, it is so important. And I know it sounds crazy to say, well, I'll take a break at work or, oh, that's easy for you to say, but I have this, that, and the other to do. But it's become a trend recently, like in popular culture that many people believe, and it's almost like a badge of honor that like working 80 hours a week and they're so productive and they've done so many things throughout the day and they're like sleeping three hours a night and they're just so proud of it. And I'm like, you're crazy. Just look out there. Just Google what we just said. So many studies have come out recently that show Once you work a certain amount of hours a week, you actually cap your productivity. So you might be working 80 hours a week, but you're not actually working and your brain isn't actually working to any type of capacity and you've reached your brain power capacity in fact. So everything you are doing is almost just wasted time because you're spending so much time doing that. And then coupled with that, if you're only sleeping three hours a night, you're not going to be focused or attentive or have any kind of productivity throughout the day because you're not functioning at your top premier level. And they I was just reading an article recently that a lot of athletes like the NBA and the NFL, they've come around and they actually have sleep specialists working for them because they're showing that sleep is nothing to be messed with. And if you want to be at your top athletic performance level, you need to be getting the allotted number of hours because you're not doing yourself any favors by sleeping that little amount of time. And so many people I've met out there have said that they are able to sleep, you know, only a certain number of hours. But let me tell you, you're just used to that, but you are not working at your optimum level. So what else can we do to keep ourselves happy at work? I prefer to keep pictures and other things at my desk that make me happy and motivated. I have like 
basically a photo wall <laughs> at my desk of pictures of the kids and Brandon um, just to keep me happy. I buy really colorful pens and, you know, little sticky notes and stuff that are just cute because I, th- I like them and they make me happy. So that's kind of what I do to make myself feel good about going to work and feeling happy. One of the other things too coupled with that is just asking for help when you need it. I think so many times we look at it as a weakness, like asking someone for help is just the people who just can't handle the jobs. And and I get it. If you're asking for help all the time or you have like very small things and you're always stressed, maybe that's something where we plan out what we need to do and make sure we have a daily plan. But it's always okay to ask for help. And maybe people won't always say yes, but a lot of times they will. And even taking smaller things away from you and off of your plate just frees up that weight on your shoulders and it helps you to kind of see more clearly and focus in. So by making the most of our workday, I feel like we're able to just feel good about where we stopped for that day and what we accomplished here. And then at night, my brain can relax and we can just reset and chill at home. And we actually do schedule nights to chill and hang out together because if we don't, we won't. So we, when we sit down on Sunday nights to schedule out our week, there are nights when I just write relax (laughs) and then we know that on whatever Wednesday night, we're going to just hang out, watch TV, take it easy, not do anything for the podcast, not do anything for the blog, not do anything for our jobs, just relax together. Yeah. And it seems so simple when you're talking about it, but when I first started to adopt a lot of these principles, it became really difficult for me. I used to be a person who loved to sit on the couch and relax, but then I started to try to be like the best person, the best form of myself I could be. And all of a sudden I found myself sitting there watching like a football game on TV and Meg's like, are you okay? And I was just like agitated. Like I almost felt guilty for relaxing. And I think your pop culture would show you that it seems like a weakness, like, oh, if you're relaxing, then you're not grinding. Or if you're doing this, you're not doing that. But scheduling that time, and like Meg said, those are my favorite nights, by the way. But when it says relax and chill, know that those are just as important as the work you're doing because it's just as important to refresh your mind, see new things, and pull yourself out of this perpetual cycle you're on to let your brain relax so that you can perform so much better later. Yep. Whether you live alone, whether you're a couple, whether you're a family, find something that you do in any of those scenarios that you really enjoy doing and do that. Maybe one thing a night that's small, maybe just reading a chapter of a book, or maybe one night a week, you're going to go out with a friend or your family to eat dinner. Whatever the thing is, just take a little tiny bit of time to do it and you'll feel a million percent better. Yeah. And as we say all of this, we know this won't always work. We know that things will come up. We know that you'll get calls. We know that there'll be a big project that you're working on that has to be completed and you need to do it. But the most important thing is if you do adopt some of these things and you are taking the time to have a home life and a separate work life, then in time, if you do need to work and if things do come up, it'll actually be the exception, not the rule. And then you won't actually burn out completely because you have had that time to recharge and then you can use the time if needed. Yep. Also, if you work at home, it's still super important to pay attention to all these things. If you work at home and you don't have a physical office to come home from and a 
nice relaxing space to be in, then you need to set times maybe or a physical space to help separate your work from home life so that you don't feel like you're always working. Like if you need to set aside a little office area because you don't have an office, do that. Or if you know that at 6 p.m. that's going to be your cutoff for work, do something like that so that you don't feel like you're always working even though you're still always in your work environment. Absolutely, absolutely. And our challenge for you this week would be try to adopt some of these principles. Try to make sure to carve out some work and life balance. At work, try some of these things where you're setting forth the one to three things a day or a week that are most important for you to accomplish. And then be very conscious this week of all the conversations you're having outside of work that are including work and make sure that you're not getting dragged down there. We hope that we've said at least something that's been helpful for you today. We hope that you enjoyed this and we will talk to you guys next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in another show of Fools in Love podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast or follow us over on Facebook at Fools in Love podcast or hit us up on Instagram. Megan's at This Average Mom and I'm at Brandon Giggling. We'd love to hear from you over there. Talk soon.